0: Thank you to Wildcare and Wildlife Acoustics for sponsoring the Bat Chat podcast. Can you hear that? We can. Wildlife Acoustics creates the world's leading bat acoustic monitoring tools designed to help scientists make impactful discoveries for our biologically diverse planet, turning this into this. Visit wildlifeacoustics.com to learn more. Wildcare are committed to supporting the ecology industry and are specialists in supplying a large range of monitoring, conservation and habitat management products, as well as equipment hire and service and repair. With a large range of products coupled with friendly and expert help and advice, Wildcare is a favourite supplier for ecologists nationwide. Go to wildcare.co.uk to see the full range and quote BatChat at the checkout for 10% off all bat detectors and bat boxes. Welcome back to Bat Chat from the Bat Conservation Trust. This series so far has been our most downloaded ever, so thank you for your continued support of the show. If you're listening to us for the first time, we're the Bat Conservation Trust, the leading charity in the United Kingdom solely devoted to the conservation of bats and the landscapes on which they rely. And this podcast of ours is for anyone who loves bats. With each episode, we're bringing the hidden lives of bats from the middle of the night straight to your headphones. I'm Steve Rowe. Professionally, I'm an ecologist, and in my spare time, I'm a trustee of the Bat Conservation Trust. You can join the conversation online using the hashtag BatsChat. That's all one word. Before we join our guest in a moment, we wanted to let all of our listeners in Scotland know that the Scottish Bat Conference will be taking place on Saturday the 4th of March at Stirling University, and will be run as a hybrid event... The Scottish Conference provides an opportunity for both volunteer and professional bat workers across Scotland to spend time together, updating their knowledge, sharing best practice, developing their skills and catching up on the latest bat news. The day will include spotlight talks from various bat groups across Scotland, longer talks on projects or sharing new knowledge and research talks. The link to book is in the show notes. And to all of our listeners in the southwest of England, your next regional conference is on Saturday, the twenty-fifth of March, at the Petroc College Tiverton campus. Again, this one-day event is an opportunity for anyone interested in bats, from hobbyists and volunteers to professional bat ecologists, to spend time together. The day includes a mixture of short and long talks on projects and a choice of practical workshops. There will also be time for catching up with batty friends or making some new batty acquaintances. If you've never attended a bat conference before, I'd really encourage you to attend. You don't need to know anything about bats to attend, but I can guarantee you'll learn something and come away with new connections either from BCT or your local bat group. The booking pages for those two events can be reached from our show notes. So it's time to join this week's guests. Back in September, I headed down to Berkshire. sat on the banks of the upper reaches of the River Thames, Clifton is an impressive house and estate in the care of the National Trust and sits on the edge of the Chiltern Hills. The garden slopes down towards the Thames, and it's on the edge of the lawn that you join Chris DeMant, watching his surveyors check harp chaps and mist nets against the tall wall of the South Terrace. Above them, in the house which is now a hotel, guests have no idea of the work taking place below them.
1: So we're sitting at Clifton National Trust property overlooking the Thames. it's been a bit overcast today, but we're hoping that the bats will arrive shortly and start swarming around the south terrace, um, the, the grand terrace above the parterre, uh, where fine dining is taking place <laughs> and people are enjoying
0: grand meals. But the bats are about to arrive for some close encounters, we hope. I mean, Chris says the grand balcony. The grand balcony is probably as tall as my house, and that's before the house starts. It's um, rather rather impressive structure, isn't it? Um, and you can probably hear a bit of a squeaking noise behind us. That's edible, edible dormice, did you say?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, introduced by Rothschilds and the Chilterns many, many years ago,
0: and slowly expanding their range. So yeah, very, very pricey place to stay at night. There's owls calling. And there's just a slight breeze starting to pick up. So I mean, Chris, you've said autumn swarming takes place here. I mean, listeners probably know from a earlier episode that autumn swarming normally takes place at the entrance to underground structures like caves, mines, uh, uh, railway tunnels, things like that. This is not that, is it? So why why the bat's swarming here then? The swarming here is a little
1: bit unique. It's a built structure. But we're lucky that South Terrace, underneath it, has a series of chambers from fernery, grilled ferneries with their gold leaf uh, metalwork, that extend into enclosed water tanks. Uh, created many years ago, because the house has previously burnt down a few times, so it was a precau- the water tanks were built as precaution against fire hmm. They provide an environment very similar to caves, damp, enclosed with stable temperatures that are suitable for bats both to
0: swarm in uh, and also to hibernate in the winter uh, so just describe autumn swarming then so i mean bat, u k bats in general have two main Mating strategies. So we'll ignore the pips and the nocturnals for now and we'll talk about these bats here, which are myotis, longids. What else do you get here? We occasionally
1: get a Bechsteins or Barbastelles, but primarily it's natter's and or Bentons. You said that so
0: casually. Oh, we occasionally get a stein's <laughs> <laughs> Very small. It was the first, the first Bechsteins
1: we caught in Buckinghamshire, was <laughs> recorded here, um, which is very unusual. Um, subsequently it's found the roosts have been found locally in fact but yeah um the main species here is naturals and they come in the autumn to gather to breed well autumn saw where bats appear together dominated by males with low numbers of females maybe 25 percent of the bats are females yeah yeah we think breeding is a strong component of why the bats are gathering here and would be quite important for exchange of genes yeah. in groups which would otherwise be isolated the bats could potentially be traveling tens of kilometers to meet here yeah
0: um and come from a large area i mean we say a large area i mean john o'drickham's recorded Natra's bats flying 60 something kilometers kilometers away yeah.
1: i mean it's quite a, an incredible investment in energy uh, to come to a for a bat to travel that distance on one night and there has to be a very good reason behind it even though we don't fully understand it Mm. it's certainly dominated by males at Cliveden generally there's 75% males to 25% females and it it must be a source of outbreeding within populations yeah but it may also be to do with showing young bats where hibernation sites are for extreme environments for when it's really cold And we think that because juvenile bats turn up quite often, don't they? Yeah, juvenile bats are a key component. Equally, all the males that turn up generally tend to be in very good breeding condition, um, which is why we think it might be to do without breeding. It's hard to know exactly, and much research has
0: been done, but we still don't really know. So so you're catching the bats here with a mixture of harp traps and and mist nets. So when did you... Well, A, how did you come across the site and discover it and how long have you been doing the work here?
1: We were invited by the National Trust to carry out a biodiversity assessment of the estate probably in 2007 8. Yeah. And uh, with the assistance of the local Berkshire and South Bucks back group and the North Bucks back group we identified peaking activity late in the summer around the south terrace. Uh-huh. We didn't understand why and the following year we came and did more detailed surveys including catching the bats and we picked up the male dominance swarming activity the chasing of the bats that was taking place outside the structure and we were able to absorb, observe the the fact that the bats started gathering outside and slowly moved into the ferneries and then subsequently into deeper water tanks where a lot of chasing was going on Right. since then we've been monitoring every year during that period, the National Trust um, carried out extensive renovation work to the South Terrace, which was becoming damaged by waterlogging and poor condition. Uh-huh. Much of the brickwork needed repairing, um, and we were able to carry out that work successfully and maintain good swarming activity throughout that restoration period of about five years.
0: Nice. I missed how long you said. When did you say you started?
1: Oh, um. I think the first plan started about 2010 okay and the work wasn't started till probably about 2015 16 right it's hard to remember that far (laughs) Um, and we've been doing the swarming site monitoring every year apart from the first year of covid
0: so you mentioned the national trust there so it's a national trust owned estate but then there's a private hotel business inside the actual the actual house what's the view of the the trust with the bats and and the relationship of you guys with the work and and the business everybody's been incredibly supportive of everything
1: we've done from the bat point of view once it was identified as an important site and nationally significant yeah. the fact that it's a built structure is equally unique so everybody including the hotel and the national Trust I mean very supportive of the work we've carried out programs of work have been designed around the bats to ensure their continuity of presence here and it couldn't have been achieved without all the support for the individuals, mm. many of the project managers, the building surveyors, the property staff,
0: in, in, in looking after these bats and continuing to do so. So, I mean, on a, on a typical night when you do get decent levels of swarming activity, you know, how, I mean, how many bats are you catching and how many nets are you using?
1: We usually use um, a heart trap at each end of the South Terrace where there are f- ferneries either end and that's combined with two triple-high mist nets as a standard method for capturing the bats as they enter the structures or fly around them. And we might catch, on a good night, anywhere from 50 to 75 bats, maybe more. Um, Some nights, like tonight perhaps, we don't catch so many, so we might catch 20 bats. Um, The weather's not been great today, but hopefully we'll catch something. What is interesting is that Swarming is generally not very good if it's rain during the day. The bats won't invest the energy into coming this far yep. if the weather is not hot warm still if if there's rain they will they will probably stay away and I think unfortunately that's the night we've got in front of us all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i mean something like up to seventy five bats in a night for me sounds impressive. I'm used to trapping in the peak district where we're very lucky and we've got hundreds, if not thousands of underground structures and we suspect that swarming takes place at all of those on any given night why have you got so many more bats here
1: it's possibly i mean there's a geographical element to it and the further south we are probably have more abundance of bats locally Mm -hmm. we're sitting in a fantastic corridor uh, along the 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 river thames uh, with woodland uh, steep wooded, wooded slopes above it so the property dominates the landscape here. And in the south, particularly around here, there are very few underground sites where bats can actually carry out the, the swarming activity. Right. So it's probably a combination of all those factors. And the fact the building's been here for so long. Yeah. The south terrace is probably the oldest structure on the property now, um, originating back in 1580s, I believe.
0: So you've got a team of people here this evening. There's, what, seven people you've got here? Are they are they here as part of your company? Are they here as volunteers? Um, and, you know, how many people over the years have, have been involved in the site and the project?
1: We're very lucky. We've got a dedicated number of staff that come out every year. Some years they come um, from a paid point of view. Sometimes they come totally voluntary capacity, but we also get a lot of volunteers from local back groups and people coming from further afield like yourself just coming to experience a different type of structure and to learn about bat swarming at Clifton. It is slightly unique and it gives a perspective on where we might find bat swarming sites in the future. I often wonder whether we overlook buildings like this for for bat swarming and perhaps should be looking more openly in the future. So giving people that experience could be very
0: important in learning where swarming is taking place in the future. I I remember when you gave this talk at the, the swarming conference back in 2017 and it was such an unusual set of photographs you had of a, of a such an impressive building. Um, and photography is something that you've started doing. Um, you've had lots of photos. Um, recently have been published via BCT that you've donated to them and you've been published on your own social media. The photos that you take bats are quite unusual compared to some of the typical ones you see. You know, you've know, you got them against tombstones, gravestones or, or gilded gates. What method are you using to, to photograph those bats and what's the interest with capturing bats against unusual features like gravestones and tombstones i think a lot of it comes
1: from just being lucky to work environments where there are unusual settings um i think one of the pictures you mentioned the gilded gates yeah was here at Clifden, and the large gar- gargoyle faces are on the borghese balustrade at Clifton. We're lucky to be able to capture the bats, and when we release them, there's an opportunity to photograph them and and perhaps showcase bats in different environments that you normally get. Mm -hmm. Um, A bat against a black background is perhaps one image, but they're also in our natural environment and built environment, so it's nice to get a difference. Um, In terms of photography, I'm very much learning how to do it and uh, have a lot to learn yet, but it it is trying to produce something different to, to look at. Besides the bat and the context
0: in which it's found in, it was just striking to me to to have such a useful set of photos that have time quite nicely with the bats in churches project. Um, and that's something else you've been involved with, isn't it, the bats in churches project? What's the interest with the with the church side of things there? Again, it's this built environment. It's 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 looking at nature and nature with
1: people um, and trying to find ways of living with people to live with bats mm. um, particularly in the case of churches um, that have been various issues raised and it's nice to put the perspective in a positive light of how we can live together um, rather than to see an issue as conflict and if photographs and imagery as part of telling that story great I do enjoy working with church communities as much as working with organisations like the National Trust. And if we can solve some of those problems,
0: even better. Something I should have asked at the start. What sparked the interest of BATS then and how long ago was that? That's making you think. You are
1: asking. (laughs) My first experience of BATS was in Surrey uh, with a chap called Frank Greenaway, many of you will probably know and I was looking after some lime kilns on behalf of the county council. Mm-hmm. And I met him one day, and he showed me where some whiskered brants happened to be roosting in lime kilns. And during the winter, he then went and took me to various sites, including West Temple Caves and the Polionic polyam- fort, uh, polyam- fort at um, Box Hill, and he showed me the um, hibernating bats. And they've fascinated me ever since. And it's only... Well, through work that I lost contact with Frank and then came back to starting to work with bats uh, back in 98 uh, when I set up my own company um, I was able to start doing my own little bits of research and been encouraged by many gifted bat ecologists including Phil Richardson and I've been always grateful for the support I've been given and I love coming out at night on the quiet nights and just watching the bats and enjoying their
0: company and we were chatting earlier before we hit the recall button you we were talking about the importance of training up you know fresh blood you know the the younger generation of taking it forward so when we get too old and decrepit (laughs) somebody else can do it i mean what what where do you think the future of bat conservation lies is it in fresh blood or is it in Getting that relationship between our built environment and bats going or is it something else altogether? What, what what do you reckon about that well i think i think i think it's both isn't it and it's it's probably a lot more than that i mean i'm
1: i'm always grateful for all the people who've helped me learn more the people who put up with my daft questions <laughs> why this why that um and providing that mentoring support through it and i think now I like your question of when we get old and decrepit, I always <laughs> feel old and decrepit, um, that you can hand that baton on and perhaps encourage other people to take it on. Um, I think from a business point of view, I think we need to invest in younger people and trust younger people to take forward the messages. I'm not quite convinced that I've got things right and our generation have got things right, but perhaps it's time to hand that baton on and let pe- other generations have a go and perhaps build on the successes we've made and make it better and hopefully combine our lifestyles with the natural world and, and get it right for once.
0: That's a nice answer. You reminded me of something that you said. We don't always get it right. And we were talking again before we we started this about the, the success or the lack of success in mitigation. You've said here you've done it's the little things that count, isn't
1: it? Yeah. It is. I mean I think in, in the case of Clifton, it might be a grand sight and it might look fantastic but it was the little things that helped it was building relationships with people it was finding simpler solutions rather than complex ones Mm. I think at Clifton we were very lucky that we managed to find simple solutions that avoided impacts rather than going for more complex solutions that would have directly impacted on the bats Mm. and a simple avoidance measures by taking a little time to complete the works by avoiding working on the sites when the bats were present we were able to combine the interests of the built structure with the interests of bats and preserve the swarming activity here and hopefully will carry on for many many more years Um, those simple solutions are best and it doesn't always have to be with grand houses why can't it be with our homes our environments Um, that we live in rather than just the the wealthy or the landed estates it can be anywhere we live and I really would encourage people to look at finding simple solutions and more importantly reporting those solutions sometimes they might be successful sometimes they may not be but the solution is itself is knowing what is the right action to take and telling people how you learnt about this what went right, what went wrong and perhaps being a little bit more honest and open about, about how you go about the work and report on it,
0: how things work and how they don't work. So in that case, Chris, would you say... I mean, the Rooster Awards haven't happened this year, they've been postponed partly through, well, due to a lack of interest or a lack of time for people to submit them. Would you encourage people to submit those, those case studies, even if they haven't worked them?
1: I, I really would encourage people to submit um, case studies to the roost awards most importantly because we need to learn what has worked what hasn't worked we mm. need to share and exchange that information we need to improve our knowledge base and whatever you've done do think about writing it up do let us do let people know what is happening because it builds that community and that knowledge and builds on how we can help
0: bats in our environment I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean it's true you know, finding um, time isn't it it is finding time yeah. and you know without that resource the only way that I find out whether mitigation works is by chatting to fellow back workers like yourself so it's, it's a really useful resource isn't it yeah it's exchanging information it's
1: communicating yeah and if it's not about people communicating what is it about
0: yeah quiet. Yeah. That's nice. Right, we better go see if we've caught some bats. Chris Christopher, thank you very much. Thank you very much, and it's a delight. My thanks to Chris for pausing his important survey work whilst we recorded that interview. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating or even write us a review. Join us next time from the county of Northamptonshire. Now, lots of you have seen me in branded T-shirts and hoodies with the Batchat logo on, and you've all been asking me when they'll be available. Well, we're thrilled to let you know that a whole range of Batchat clothing and tote bags is now available for you on our T-Mill store. The link's in the show notes. Whether you're a long-time supporter or a new member of the Batchat family, we can't wait for you to share your photos of you wearing our merch on social media. Be sure to tag the Bat Conservation Trust in your posts. If you're listening to Batchat on Google Podcasts, we wanted to let you know that Google have announced they plan to discontinue their app later this year. So we recommend making the switch to an alternative podcast app. And we've put some links in the show notes to alternative apps that you can follow Batchat on so that you don't miss any future episodes.